Welcome back, folks, to 2Bits 1 Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a complicated man, Dan Masters, with my co-host, the leader of Hockey Human Resources, and my likes to read the rulebook and the president of the Leon Dreisaitl Fan Club, Will Everett. Will, how you doing? I'm doing alright, thank you, Dan. I've recovered from my my weekend of despair. Ah, oh, um, yeah. Which leads me on to the question of the week. This isn't. <laughs> this might sound like a troll question or something. It really isn't. But I was wondering, what's worse, losing four games to nil or losing four games to three in a series? Wait, do you mean like losing one game, what being swept or losing in game seven? Yeah, what's worse, being swept or losing in game seven? Oh, game seven, game seven, definitely. Like I think I'd rather get swept because at least if you get swept, everyone gets swept every now and again. So it goes like the the lightning gets swept. Like game seven, you get that hope. You get that we've already won three. We can beat this team. Let's let's have it. At least if you're getting swept, you can put it down to any number of cosmic interference. Yeah, game seven's horrible. That's what I was gonna say. It's the hope that kills you, because you would you would think getting swept is more it's more embarrassing than anything else. But I think as a fan of that team, once it gets to three nil, you're thinking, oh, we're fucked anyway. Now we're not gonna win four in a row, are we? We're already down three nil. I mean, what are the chances? But a game seven, man, you just you just hope, don't you? You're so close, and you think, oh. I, just one more, just one more win, and we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, <sighs> against your better judgment, you start thinking about yeah the next round, and then all what <laughs> be after that. You start making plans, and uh, and then you check the score, let out a sign, and you go to work. What time did the game start here? Was it was it one a.m. Wasn't it last night? Oh, I didn't even see like a school night yeah. for me, so I thought just accept that I won't I won't be there in 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 spirit. Well, I will be there in spirit, but my television won't be. I was going to say, were you, even, were you even there in spirit? Barely. I mean, I, I was I was legally dead, so... <laughs> just visions of you dreaming, like some kind of like some kind of psychic or something, just muttering in your sleep. No, Matt, pass it to Tyler. It says, uh, no. Oh, Jamie Ben, wrap around. Oh, oh don't. That's, that's, Dude. No, that's just unfair. You can't say that's those words ki- to me. That's the killer. That, oh. that was the one. That was... That was horrendous, and and the worst part I know I know we're skipping right ahead to like halfway through the podcast now, <laughs> but the worst part about that Jamie Ben wraparound is it wasn't even in. <laughs> like it wasn't. It, it's it's not like it's one of those ones where we can look back and say, oh, the refs missed it. It should have been a goal, which would have its own sort of torture in its own right. But yeah, this one, it could have got in, but it just didn't go in. That's killer. That is killer. <sighs> On the back of that, I agree. A very quick question this week: four three is way worse than four nil. I feel for you, mate, but should we start the show? You don't feel for me, but we should start the show. that time of the week is the smooth recap. Before the season's even finished, or free agency has even started, bookmakers have released their odds for next year's Stanley Cup champions. With the not important version of a trophy winning playoff choking Tampa Bay Lightning the favourites at 6-1. Philip Grubauer made 32 saves in Colorado's Game 4 victory over the Sharks, 
recording his first playoff shutout. Grubauer is also the first German goalie to have a shutout in the playoffs. I don't know for certain, as I didn't check. The Carolina Hurricanes has made the playoffs, spending only $63 million to do it. Like Fred Durst on a diet, they've got plenty of room under the cap. Joe Pavelski has admitted diving and using a blood pack to draw the infamous 5-minute major against the Golden Knights in round 1. At least, that's what I took from him saying it probably wasn't a major. Like the beautiful filling of a well-made tortellini, David Pasta Pasternak is filling the stat sheets as the Bruins snaggletooth winger has the third best playoff points per game percentage total of all active players. Gord Dwyer, you should be ashamed of yourself. Noted leader of jerks Rod Brindamore is the first rookie head coach since 2011 to reach the conference final. The last coach to do this was Guy Boucher in Tampa, which, being honest with you now, I completely forgot was ever a thing. The Dallas Stars tied a franchise record by recording one shot on goal in the second period of Game 7. Fuck's sakes. Elaine Vigneault has his assistants in Philadelphia. Opting for the three heads are better than one trick made famous by Cerberus, the guardian dog of the underworld. Former head coaches Bank Yeo and Michelle Therrien are heading to the city of Brotherly Love. I guess Ebby Goodfellow and Mike Milbury weren't available. John Hamm is officially cancelled. No, he hasn't said anything racist or committed an assault. He's just a lifelong blues fan and I won't stand for it anymore. And that was your smooth recap. John Hamm was awesome. I, I, as everyone said, I genuinely thought he was going to kiss Patrick Maroon at that point. I, I assumed he did. I think he wanted to, to be honest. <laughs> like, off, off camera and later in the night, they met at some sort of bar in St. Louis and just had a little smooch, as, yeah. as you would. Both very good-looking men. That's a, that's, a, that's a power gay couple, if it ever happens. Right I, there. I, I, can't, I can't see it with Pat Maroon. Not that he's necessarily Why? unattractive, but because I fucking hate Pat Maroon. It's just like I'm, I'm unable to find him attractive. And you and you and you can't cancel John Ham. I'm uncancelling your cancel. I'm sorry. I was, I was writing that bit and I was trying to think: has he actually been cancelled? Like, is he? Is he? No, no. I feel no. like John Ham might be one of these people that is secretly a very nasty person. But <laughs> nobody could be that good looking and talented to be that nice as well. It's impossible. You can't yeah, be all three. I, I mean, you know, just like the the Grubauer stat, completely unfounded. But yeah, I just felt like it It kind of is a thing. But I wrote it anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, who's winning the cup this week for you? I might have done him recently, but Big Ben Bishop, he had 52 saves in Game 7. Only the fifth goalie to do that since 1956. Don't know why that's the year of cut-off, but what can you do? Big up, Big Ben. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Ben Bishop later, because Jesus Christ, that was ridiculous. Bizarrely, I'm also, I've also got a goalie winning the cup. I'm going to... Oh. I've got Robin Lehner winning the cup. Comeback season. He's going to walk away with every single award possible in every publication or ceremony for comeback of the year or feel-good story of the year. And after taking a bit of a beating in Buffalo and all the problems he had, I hope he comes back next year. I hope he makes a shit ton of money. Good for him. A great story. I hope he carries on as well because it's always nice to have good players. And, and I like when... I do like when highly not that Lena was a highly talented prospect, but you know, when, when he was traded from Ottawa to Buffalo, he was 
you know, meant to be the real deal sort of thing. And yeah. I, I, I like it when that happens. Because then it sort of validates you're getting hyped about your own prospects in a way, or any other players that you're interested in, you know? Okay, so yeah, who's power getting relegated? To, power to Robin Lerner. Bobby Nicholson is getting relegated. Because <laughs> he just won't learn. Well, we'll get onto this in a bit. We'll get onto this in a bit. I'm going to relegate in a rather sweeping generalisation, which we do love on this show. I'm going to relegate all of hockey media that pissed their pants over Brad Marchand this week and his interview. Now, I, I know sometimes we try and go through the, this little bit of the show and we go through it quite quickly, but I would like to kind of hold that for a second and have a quick chat with you about this because I'm glad I ranted about Marchand last week and how I was pissed off with him because now I can't be called a one-eye or a homer fan or a Bruin sympathiser or something because the collective pissing of pants in certain media outlets is absolutely laughable in my opinion absolutely laughable like Darren Drager saying that him and the Bruins should be fined for his post-match interview and stuff like that like what the fuck are you talking about what are you talking about I think it's absolutely ridiculous and I think I have I don't know if this is the truth or not I don't know if this has been put out there as a way to soften the blow of what he did or something but I've heard that some of the players bet him you couldn't get the bet was you couldn't get under so many words in your post-match interview, and that's why he did it. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't really care if it's true or not. I don't care if he was just in a fucking mood and decided to answer questions like that. It's nothing, and everyone's just lost their fucking minds. I mean, I, but I mean, you know, I'd like to know what you think about this. Well, I mean, I'll I'll take one of my scratches now and use it. I was going to say it's a spoil sport. For not answering, did you see the the pre-match interview? Yeah, with Rick Astley's yeah. son. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, whatever his name was. Kyle Bukaskas. Listen, Kyle. Kyle Bukaskas. I'm sure you're a nice guy. I've got, you know, I don't know you. You probably do loads of charity work. You probably give money to homeless people. You probably feed stray dogs or something. Your hair is a fucking mess. Okay, mate, you got to sort it out. I don't know why a 30-year-old man thinks a pompadour is a good look. I don't, I don't understand that at all. That hair is, is terrifying and terrible. Power to him. I think he's adorable. He's a, <laughs> he looks like a cheer pet. He's like, God, that hair. I don't get what he's doing. Anyway, nothing wrong with that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to believe that, that the rest of his teammates bet him that he couldn't get under so many words in a post-match interview. But I think the, the evidence is clear. He was naffed off from Rick Ashley asking him about his, uh, his skate being sharpened. And yeah, like like you say, fair fair play. Like I, I know I think it's written in their contract somewhere that they have to do media availability. But yes, like, yes, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to answer how you want him to answer sort of thing. I just think he was a bit to not answer that question. I get that he's in a very focused state of mind. But like, if you're so focused that you can't answer a, a question that obviously means no offense, and like it's just you know making light of a situation then you shouldn't do the interview full stop. I'm not going to deny... This is kind of like last week when I ranted against him, but it obviously it's it's bratty, and like you say, it's spoil sporty. The, the way he acted with... Because Bukaskas asking him that question was quite a funny... I thought it was a funny question. <laughs> you know, yeah, if you had a chance to sharpen your skates after the, last, you know, after, after the last game, I thought it was quite a funny question. And for Brad to get all pissed off about it was just silly. Fucking who cares? Let it roll off your back. We all know what you did. But... Just ridiculous. What's it? Like Steve Dangle going on about shit today. Like I said, Darren Drager talking about stuff. 
I mean, everyone's just gone mad. And here's what here's why it pissed me off. Here's why it pisses me off is that I'm I'm very against the the double standards because John Tortorella's press conference afterwards, he 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 not refused to answer questions, but there was three or four answers where he was just like, "I'm not talking about that. I don't even want to talk about that. That's just shit. Forget it." Does this this is as far as this franchise has ever been? Is there a sense of accomplishment for you? Don't even go there. Or does with it? Me. No. Don't even go there with me. I'm not going to listen to that about an accomplishment. You get to the second. I don't even want to listen to it. I was going to ask if it felt as empty as it did last year when you lost in the first round. The feeling. The feeling? Yes. I don't even remember last year's feeling. I don't even remember. And we all just go, oh, that's tough. Do you know what he's like? You know, he will literally say to reporters, yeah, I'm not answering that question. And we all just have a big laugh. We're all like, ah, oh, you know what he's like? It's taught. He's Mr. Angry. That's what he does. And then when Brad Marchand does it, does it afterwards, after, in, a, in the scrum, everyone's fucking going mental. And I just think, well, it's, it's just a huge double standard. And it, it really annoyed me. It's because players have no rights at all. In, in I agree. Eyes. Like, I have no, no rights to do anything. They yeah, they, they should be, they should be grateful. They should be grateful for this opportunity that they have. How dare they not answer our questions? I just think as well is was you 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 need people who are going to do that kind of thing now and again in a post match scrum, like when Mar- I don't know if you know, but Marshawn Lynch did the same thing in the in the Super Bowl when he was playing for the Seahawks, and obviously oh, Super Bowl media days, like yeah, like media day in Super Bowl is ridiculous. It's an all day event, and you just sit at a table and you're surrounded by people, and every single question. Marshawn Lynch was asked. His answer was, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." That was his answer to every question about anything. So good. Which was, it's just hilarious. It's hilarious. And you know what? Those writers now, they've got stuff to write about. American. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop ranting in a second. We hear That's American Friedman talk about all the time is how hard it is to be a beat writer because how do you write for 82 games? And then if the team gets to the postseason and keep it interesting, part of the time sometimes is why I have that love-hate relationship with Leafs writers because I think they're so under pressure to just write anything that they're just like, oh my God, I can't believe Cal Dubas is wearing these glasses today because there's probably got a boss somewhere saying you need to write something else about the Leafs and they all have to do it. So Brad Marchand doing that interview, that gives them so much stuff to sort of put down and get out there and talk about. But, you know, to say you should be fined and shit like that, fuck off. That's ridiculous. Oh, it's just it's stupid. Like, fair play being, being upset about how he treated a reporter or whatever. But, yeah, to, to be fined for just not... He participated in the interview. What more do you want from him? Like, he answered every question. Essentially, they want him fined for not using enough words. Is that what we're fucking at the point now with this sport? That's where we're at at, at this point. <laughs> we, we've... Uh... Yeah, we don't want players to have personality. We want them to you know, play for the, the crest on the front, not the name on the back. But at the same time, when we demand that you are a name on the back, you have to, you know, when we when we say jump, you ask how high. While, uh, while we're talking about interviews and on a complete tangent, did you see that? I think it was the Clippers, LA Clippers interview after, um, after getting beaten by Golden State. No. Oh, it's fantastic interview. I'm not sure if it's the Clippers or not. It's whoever Golden State recently beat in the NBA playoffs. But um, there's there's two players answering up at the podium and they're asked basically a question of, did you find it trying to mark Kevin Durant? And I think Kevin Durant must have had a monster game. Yeah. Because um, they like they sort of start being a bit defensive and maybe, maybe a little bit pissed off. That might just be the way that I read it. 
saying like we we tried you know and and, and it slowly just builds up and they just have this really fantastic honest answer of just look we tried but he is an incredible basketball player don't don't think for a second that we weren't trying out there he's just that damn good that he made it look like we weren't trying and we didn't know what we we're doing sort of thing if you, yeah. if you get a chance check it out because it is a fantastic answer absolutely incredible you want that sometimes don't you it's just honesty it's just honesty sorry we just weren't yeah, good enough just... what do you want me to say we tried our best yeah. they beat us i'm you know there's nothing i can do I, I came up against one of the best players in my sport to ever play the game and i'm not as good as him he's gonna yeah. beat me every time sort of thing yeah what do you want from me i can <laughs> practice yeah. so much I'm, I'm sorry that i'm not calling with david like <laughs> bizarrely bizarrely more basketball talk here which is i think maybe tripled the amount of basketball talk ever on this show in its history without a doubt it was anniversary this week of alan iverson's we're talking about practice oh you ever, yeah you i saw that you that. i, oh, I only saw it when you posted it the other day mate one of the absolute best interviews ever he, he missed a practice session and a reporter says to him shouldn't you be setting an example in, in, you know and, and practicing with the team and something like one of his friends had just died or something he just gives the answer. You know, we're talking about practice, practice, not a game, practice. And that's and just, just repeats it like 17 became, times. Yeah, like an iconic, an iconic quote. Fabulous. I've got two starters and now I've got two scratches as we've taken one off the board. Okay, well, I've got three starters and one scratch. So I'll do Ooh, my starters first then. As we mentioned, basketball, I'm going to shout out the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets going to 4 <laughs> OT this week. 4 Overtimes. What the fuck? <laughs> insane. Isn't it? So Their gonna... overtimes are only 15 minutes each, though, aren't they? Yeah. And? <laughs> Dude, here's what I'm starting, essentially. I still like I still like Triple OT, I suppose. So, yeah. I'm starting, I'm starting pro athletes. Because there are times where you watch sports. And we all do it. We all go, oh, I could fucking do that. No, you couldn't, mate. No, you couldn't. And never is more evident than four overtimes. I would be dead at this point. I'd just be in the back, oxygen mask, just passed out. People trying to put fluids into my body via a drip. Amazing work. So there you go. I'll, I'll tell you now, Dan, I could do it. <laughs> I, I could. Brett, Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie, right? Right winger for the Dallas Stars. Bearing in mind that last night the Stars played to double OT. Yeah. The kid had... Seven minutes fifty seconds of ice time <laughs> in five periods of hockey. <laughs> Had three that's, hits that's and a twenty-five percent Corsi. I reckon I could do that. <laughs> I I reckon I reckon I could do that. Shit, maybe you're right. <laughs> I've just been blinded there by the headlines. Four OT. Oh my god. <laughs> Go on then. What's yours? There, there. Um, so my first one I've got is Stars fan Dave. A surname to be named later, who was made famous this week for sitting out in the pissing rain with his brolly, watching the stars on a, on the big jumbotron out the front of American Air- Airlines Centre. Nothing too fancy here, but power to you, Dave. Like that is commitment. That looks quite nice, actually. More on Dave in a sack, actually. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Little teaser. Just something else I was going to do this week. My next starter is I've got to start Chris Evans of Avengers fame for going to his high school reunion, which I couldn't decide was an amazing move or an all-time fucking arsehole move. If you see the picture, he is stood there with his name tag on and it just says Chris, like nobody's going to know who he is. And he goes to his high school reunion. And I always think, that's such a weird flex. 
don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like it or not. Because like what? No, yeah, I don't. I never went to high school in America, Dan. You'll be surprised to hear. No, okay. But I'd imagine if it's anything like secondary school over here, even if you're not mates with someone who's in your year, like you know them, like you know who yes. they are, and they're, they're like yeah. a peer. So, for for anyone who was in in Chris Evans's like class, you know, his, his year of high school, there must be like a. Even if they're fans of uh, the the Marvel films, it, it must be still just oh that's that's that Chris Evans kid from you know Form F or whatever like oh yeah 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 like oh do you remember him like yeah he used to have that weird A6 backpack or whatever so it must just be and and some no doubt a lot of the people there he's like friends with or was friends with as much as he ranked to anyone from school so I think I don't think it's strictly like a dick move I think it yeah I don't know it must be just kind of weird. I couldn't decide though. I don't think he. I, I don't think he did it to be a dick, but I right. just think you're. I don't know. You're in Chris Evans. Let me think of a makeup. <laughs> so Brian Rugg goes to his high school reunion, right? Yeah. And he's in Chris Evans' class back in the day. He's in Mrs. You know Mrs. Johnson's class, and he's going there. He's all pumped up. Well, I'm a middle manager now at uh, Orangina Corp, so I'm going to go there and show people I've got a fancy new. Volvo Estate or something. I'm going to turn up in my cool car. And then Chris Evans rocks up and you just think, oh, you fucking motherfucker. What the fuck are you doing here? Because you would never think he's going to go, would you? You'd never think Chris be... Evans would go to his high school reunion. You'd be thinking, I'm going to be the big dog. I'm going to walk in and like king shit. And then Chris Evans turns up and you're like, fuck, no. But then think of think of someone you went to school with. You, know, you knew, but like, say you don't speak to anymore for for whatever reason. Not that like you fell out, just... <laughs> Dude, life that's goes on. Everybody from my school. Well, I mean, yeah, you and me <laughs> both. Like, anybody. So, my wife. Say, that's it. Say you speak to speak to someone that you were friendly with at school. You bump yeah. into them. You just have like a cursory conversation. But imagine if that person is one of the most famous actors in Hollywood. All the in things the world. You could, in the world, yeah. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I'm sure there are some people in Bollywood who'd who'd argue to be more famous than Chris Evans. But um, but just nah. imagine the sort of conversations you could have with them, rather than just. Oh yeah, oh, so you're working for Orangina? How how do they put the bubbles in the orange? <laughs> yeah, but well, like, what can you bring to that conversation? <laughs> Seriously, shit, mate. if you're Give Brian Rook from if you're Brian Rook from Orangina Corp, what can you bring to that conversation? Zero, mate. I'm not. Nothing. I'm not watching Graham Norton thinking. Oh, what can I bring to the conversation with with David Tennant and Olivia Coleman? No, I'm, I'm watching because <laughs> I want to hear crazy stories from like bloody whoever. Yeah, but Graham Norton doesn't have on Brian Rugg from Orangina Corp, does he? <laughs> Your stories aren't shit, are they? No, but you could still you could still just be just let Chris Evans do his thing. And he's like, ah, oh, so yeah, this one time I was doing loads of coke with Robert Downey Jr. and he suddenly <laughs> pulled out a gun and shot Tom Holland in the foot and it was really weird. He's like, Oh, cool. You don't try you don't you don't engage, you just let him go. It's like let a like a, a live podcast, I suppose. I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think you're just jealous that you didn't go to school with Chris Evans. Dude, I didn't even go to school, so Chris Evans here or not, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have seen him. Oh, sorry, Ard. <laughs> it was, uh, just hated it. It wasn't a, I'm too cool to go. It was just, I had a single parent and I just ran roughshod over rules and things, so didn't go. Nobody liked your, uh, your Misfits t-shirt, so... <laughs> That's, That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> oh god, there's that punk kid. What a dick. It probably it probably was that. Anyway, yeah, Chris Evans, high school reunion. <laughs> I'm gonna off. start it 
Kind of. Maybe scratch it. I don't know. But anyway, what have you got? A, a nice little tweener. Um, I'm yeah. going to credit where credit's due. Department of Player Safety. What was it two games for McAvoy? This might change your mind now. One? Was it one? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> See, another little tweener. Who would have known? Yeah. I was expecting none, so it's better than nothing. But Dude, if that had yeah, been none, there would have been people burning things and even I even the Bruins fans were going yeah that's at least one that was bad yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't have been writing in the street like suspend our top D man yeah not us but other fans would oh yeah yeah exactly alright yeah I'm, I'm not rescind that because one game's not really that good yeah I know shit that was a bit of a naughty head hit I'll let you go first with scratches what's your first one first one I've got so I've got a pair for you here young man what is my first one I'm going to scratch top lines Top lines in the playoffs. Specifically, Ooh, nice. The Bruins' top line. Because uh, they have one point in the second round. One. One big fat point. No, that's not right. It is. The internet told me. No, it's not. Because Bergeron scored two goals in one game against the Blue Jackets. That's not true. <laughs> as, as we've already established, Dan, I've got all the facts. They've been fact-checked. <laughs> Yeah, and some of them are not true, so there. So, so, it's fine, it's fine. Point still stands, top lines haven't been good enough. The Stars' top line has been crap. The Bruins' top line has generally been crap. Three points at least. Arguably like, one. Yeah, to be in, fair, in I will give realities. you that. The, the top line has not been... It's our, unbelievably, which is bizarre, it's our depth that's propelling us through games at the moment, and to Karask, so, but we'll talk about that later. Like I, I get the whole myth of like, oh, when you get to the playoffs, the top lines cancel each other out, so it's got to be bloody Johnny Journeyman on your fourth line to get the goals, or else you're not going to get anywhere. Like fucking, yeah, give a shit, mate. No, see, so yeah, I fuck the top lines. Fair enough. I'm gonna scratch, as mentioned in my smooth recap, bookmakers, as for some reason they've already released the Stanley Cup odds, which is insane. Before the cup finals even finished, or free agencies has even started, I don't know why. They decided to do this. Two interesting odds were the Sens are 300 to 1 to win the cup, which, if you don't put £10 on, you're fucking insane because you have to put £10 on the Sens to win the cup with those odds. 300 to 1. I mean, that's ridiculous to be that, like, that far. They were 150 to 1 last season and now they're yeah, somehow it, twice as bad. If it was like 300 to 1 on, on the Devils or like, um, I don't know, who's been shit and isn't going to get any better necessarily. A team like that, the Coyotes, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Detroit early on. Detroit, maybe yeah, yeah, still. yeah. Detroit, yeah, yeah. Best of sense, Dan. Come on, three three hundred to one is generous. <laughs> Dude, I'm not taking anything for granted anymore. I'm really struggling to not just lay down laws and my all my feelings out in the air after what's happened this this season and in this postseason. And then the Oilers are sixty to one, which is if you don't understand how gambling works, the Oilers are sixty to one. Which means if you put ten pounds on the Oilers, you will lose ten pounds. So that's how that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that joke. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. More on them later as well. for the for the sense. I feel in years gone by, the sense would have been a thousand to one. I wonder what the longest what? odds. Oh, I wonder if we could find like the longest odds ever at the start of a season. Not even if the team did well or not, but what were the longest odds on a team? Three hundred to one is ridiculous. That's, is it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, I suppose, I suppose for a team, yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking like you get you get longer odds on like individual players. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for for Tanner Glass to win the Art Ross is probably longer than three hundred to one. 
And like I've said before, this isn't a sport where the best team can just go and get the best player. There's a, there's a salary cap and for a reason is, you know, to keep it at least kind of level. But for the top team to be 6-1 to one and the sense to be 300-1, to one, that's just madness. Are you, are you not saying that the Tampa Bay Lightning are um, quick maths, quick maths? 50 five, times better? Five, 500 times better? 500? No, that's, no it can't that's be 500. Not, that's 3,000. Yeah, it's 50 times yeah, better, right? Yeah, 50. 50 is what I said. Yeah, you don't say like that the Tampa Bay are 50 times better than the Saints. <laughs> yeah, when you put like that, those odds are way too short. It should be 1,000 to 1. <laughs> there you go. At least 600 to 1. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, then. And then uh, your final scratch? My final scratch is going to be John Shannon. Ah, oh, yes, you you messaged me this. I had this today or yesterday with some... You said you are prepared to rant about John Shannon's hot takes. Off, the, the floor is yours, Will. Off you go. I mean, I wouldn't say prepared. I, I mean, no way. But I'd have, been, I'd have been more prepared while I was listening to Monday's edition of Hockey Central at noon. <laughs> if you just repeated um, what he said to me. I, I wish I'd recorded it, really. So, so John Shannon was just naffing me right off in that episode. He's, they were talking about the, the imminent hiring of Ken Holland. And the way he was talking about Ken Holland and how incredible he's going to be as GM of uh, of the Oilers was not even concealing the fact that he's close with Ken Holland and Ken Holland is probably one of his sources, the way he was pumping Mr. Holland's tyres. No, Christ, and okay. The, the sort of examples he was using to sort of you know put Ken Holland on a pedestal as, as the next great GM of the, the Edmonton Oilers, the man to, to right the ship. He was saying, you know, always he's won dandy cups, bearing in mind the last one was 11 years ago. And he was saying about how, you know, in the last couple of years, they've been they've been turning it around a little bit, completely disregarding the last fucking 11 years. And the reason that they needed to turn it around was because of Ken Holland. Like, it's just... <laughs> the reason just Ken Holland's in a rebuild is because of Ken Holland. <laughs> it, exactly, exactly. Like, he was fixing his own mistakes. Ah, oh, it's just it was it was mindless, absolutely mindless, and he was also pro St. Louis on the the infamous Ben Bishop play. So that was uh, that was after I got riled up by the uh, by the Ken Holland takes. So uh, yeah, fuck you, John Sharon, you're a fucking idiot. I was gonna we were gonna go on to the coaching stuff and the playoffs, but I wanted to quickly just as we mentioned last week, I do love Twitter pettiness between teams and accounts. So. I'll talk about this exact thing more later, but after Brock Nelson taps Curtis McElhenney on the head when they score, the Hur- and then obviously the Hurricanes win, the Hurricanes account tweets out, that's nice, they're playing tag while we're playing hockey. <laughs> and then after game four, obviously Dougie Hamilton head taps Brock Nelson in the handshake line, which was phenomenal. And the Hurricanes tweet out, hey look, we won tag as well. Which <laughs> just... <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. And then the second... Twitter war pettiness was the Dallas Stars posted a picture of said fan. What was his name? Was it Dave? Sorry, the the guy yeah, the arena. Dave something. Unbelievably, in a thunderstorm on his own with his brolly, sat outside the arena watching the game. The the Stars then tweet out that he ripped up a Blues rally towel he got at Game Five. So the Blues account tweets back with, "Well, next time we won't give him a towel. The next time you leave him out in the rain," which is. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I get. I get that it was kind of a cool image to show this one guy who clearly is a super fan sitting out in the rain supporting his team. 
But the police have got a point that the stars let this 64-year-old man sit outside in a literal thunderstorm on his own, holding an umbrella, clearly a conductor of electrical storm products, i.e. lightning. Why didn't they just say to him, all right, dude, just come in, just watch it on the TV in the lobby or something, it's fine. <laughs> just left him out there. Could have, could have put it on the, on the what do you call it, like a scoreboard in the in centre ice. I do it a lot. Any, anything. The, the dude's 64 years old. He's outside in a thunderstorm holding a conductive element and they just left him there. <laughs> that was hilarious. I, I think he's a, he's a PR stunt. He's a crisis actor. Yeah, uh, It wasn't even raining uh, that yeah. day. One of the fake news. That's what it was. Dallas yeah, Stars all, fake news. It's all fake, fake news. Infamous Dallas Stars fake news. Okie dokie. Let's get on to some coaching stuff. We'll start with something that happened after we went off air last week. George McPhee Steps upstairs, <laughs> I guess, figuratively, as he's named president of Hockey Ops while Kelly McCrim is promoted to assistant to the travelling secretary or something, because it doesn't sound like Kelly McCrim is actually going to be the GM, does it? No, but George McPhee has stepped upstairs. He's just taken all of his office with him. <laughs> it's literally he's gone upstairs, not even like the figurehead type role where he's moved upstairs. No, he's just on the floor above now, making the same decisions. Ke- Kelly McCrimmon just has a phone. And he, like, transfers George McPhee the calls. <laughs> Doesn't even have a I was, I, was, I was trying to think of funny job titles or something for Kelly McCrimmon, and I went back to Assistant to the Travelling Secretary, which is a, a George Costanza job from Seinfeld. That was, only, that was the only thing I could think of that just meant nothing. That's just I mean, weird, I suppose the, the more recent one is Assistant to the Regional Manager, but... Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, that's a, that's a, bit more, a, bit more, uh, a bit more timely. A bit more down with the kids there, Dan. It was very odd because uh, George McPhee said, and I quote, the final word is with me. I'll maybe be giving up 1% of my duties. I'm not looking to reduce my workload. That was he it. Didn't actually, he didn't actually say that, did he? Yes. That's, all right. So all, all they've done is just printed some, you know, it's like brass nameplates you get. <laughs> they've just got new versions just... of that. All it all it is is George because they, they said that McCrimmon's going to be representing him at like board of governors and stuff like that, isn't he? And GM yeah. meetings. It's like I can't be bothered to go anymore. You're going to go now, Kelly. Congratulations. <laughs> I think I just imagined that the, the presentation was they just slid a piece of paper across the table, and on the piece of paper was no no writing, no word or anything, but at the top it just said Kelly McCrimmon, general manager of Vegas Golden Knights, and he was just like, oh my god. What else do I get? And they went, no, that's it. You just get letterheaded paper. There's nothing else. And he went, I'll take it. There you go. <laughs> That'll do me. Why do you get all of all the title without any of the responsibility? So he's criticised. Yeah, this was something else I thought. If results start to go south, McPhee can just go now. All right, Kelly, it's not working out. Off your pot, mate. I'll, I'll do this bit. <laughs> I'll take over. <laughs> McCrimmon. Yeah. <laughs> He's just made Crimin. He's just made McCrimmon an absolute patsy. It's ridiculous. I quote. Like, I tell you, it's, you know. it's one. It's one thing for it to be the case, like you know, it's one thing for 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 that to be how it is behind closed doors. But to come out and actively say, "Oh yeah, he has no power, none yeah. at all." Oh, not it doesn't a mean shred anything. of it. Oh no, no, no. It's just if you know some of the GMs that I don't really like call up, I'll get let them talk to him, and then he can ask me if he's allowed to make a trade. Maybe he's just looked north and seen what what's happened with Bob Nicholson and Pete Chiarelli, specifically Nico <laughs> Costello. He's like, I probably, I probably, it's like having a condition on your on your draft pick that you're trading in that I should, I should have like yeah, a bit of a safety blanket there. I'd, 
I like him. I like his ideas, but can I trust him? Poor Kelly McCrimmon. I've just got visions of the phone ringing. And McFree goes, like, McFree's secretary goes, it's watching Capitals on line one, sir. And he goes, Kelly, pick up line one. (laughs) I'm not picking it up. Uh, Yes, sir. Okay. (laughs) It's uh, it's, it's David Poyle. That's that's the one. Oh, yes. He's he's afraid to speak to David Poyle. Absolutely. Poyle phones up. He's like, ah, George, this Cody Glass kid. How could I interest you in a very seasoned Austin Watson? As you say, to just come out and be completely open and honest about it, it's just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. You know you know who Kelly McCrimmon is? Is it Milton in Office Space? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. That's but so it, but it's, it's kind of having like the opposite of... It's like the opposite of what happens to Milton. Instead of being pushed out of a nice office into like down into the basement, he's being like dragged up from the basement but having his job stripped from him. And what we're doing and what our plans are to give our fans the team they deserve... This season, the first step in that program is the hiring of Ken Holland as the new president of hockey operations and general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. I can come in and provide stability, um, select a coach that's going to have a real impact um, on this team, and I'd like to think we're talking playoffs in 1920. When you look at the, uh, you know, obviously, ultimately winning, winning is going to make everything good now how do you how do you start to how do you start to win it's about people what's culture to me culture is people culture is the people that you bring in on the ice and off the ice and they care about the logo they care about the logo and one of the things that I tried to sell as a general manager as the Detroit Red Wings was you know the you, you earn the jersey whether you're a young player you got to earn the jersey you just don't get to put the jersey on because you're a high draft pick or you got you, you got to earn the jersey and you got to go to work every day and you got to respect that jersey and you got to play hard so as we move on mentioned before Ken Holland the new man in Edmonton let's start off with this <laughs> will your thoughts fuck it out no how um, how how do you go from sacking Pete Chiarelli, the Teflon Don, praise be, to you know CV wise hiring Pete Chiarelli without a moustache? That's all Ken Holland is. <laughs> You've got a GM that won 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 a Stanley Cup even further in the past than Pete Chiarelli did, <laughs> and screwed over his own team by making terrible contract extensions and free agent signings. It's, I think they're I think they're thinking. In Edmonton, we've already made terrible contrast extensions and free agent signings, so he can't do that bit. So let's just hope he can do something else. Maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking. It's ah, oh, mate, I just don't get it. the The one that blew my mind was was it 2016 when Stamkos almost became a free agent? I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, that seems right. So in the summer of 2016, there's the tweet posted out. I forget who by. But saying that Holland's top three free agent signings, you know, targets for the summer were Steven Stamkos, number one, Franz Nielsen, number two. <laughs> and we all know how that's worked out. And uh, one, Milan Lucic, number three. I've just remembered that tweet. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. So, so you're hiring a bloke who is admittedly would have made exactly the same mistakes that Pichirelli had made at Edmonton. 
<laughs> and arguably more. It's just moronic. I was looking at I was looking at Holland's cat friendly page. Fantastic oh, little yeah. tool that I, d- I didn't even yes. know existed. Yeah, yeah. Great little tool. So if you look at like the longest contracts that Holland has given out, the the first few are fairly obvious. You've got like a twelve year one for for Zetterberg. You got a little eleven year or something for for um, Johan Franz and a couple of sevens for Datsuk and Lidstrom. And then it's when it gets juicy. <laughs> you've got a nice little six. <laughs> you've got a little six year for Jonathan Eriksson. You got a sit which is still on the books. Still on the books, six, yeah. Six year for Danny De Kaiser. Still on the books. Still on the books. You got a five year. Oh, sorry, the seven year of uh, Justin Abdicator. Still on the books. You got the five year of. Uh, was it five or four? Either way, it was too long for Darren Helm. And the list just goes on. And these are like the longest contracts he signed. So like the only good long term contracts he signed are the ones that a monkey could have signed and gotten right. In there, Datsuk, Lidstrom, uh, Zetterberg. Franzen hasn't worked out that well, but to be fair, he did get concussed into oblivion, so we can sort yes. of give Holland a bit of a pass on that one. All of the rest of them, oh boy. I just... And I just said before, dude, that fucking job in Edmonton. He said as much as... Isn't, isn't, I didn't watch all of his interview. I sort of clicked through, but he said, oh yeah, we know, we need a, we need a new goalie. They've got, they've got no D to speak of. They've got no wingers to play with Connor apart from... <laughs> A centre who they've tried, they've had to convert to a winger, and and a, then a, he said, a winger that they tried to make centre. Yeah, oh, so yeah, and and then <laughs> he said, then he said, I'm I'm thinking about the playoffs for 1920. No, Ken, Ken, no, you, you you no, you can't be doing that. That's a really really bad idea. Maybe he's banking on a 180 point season from McDavid. Maybe he's banking on the salary cap being increased by fifty percent or something. So he's just got all this found money. Now he's just suddenly got money to play with or something. I, I well, so don't know so what's he can happen. he can trade for James now and uh, <laughs> Louis Erickson. Chuck <laughs> <laughs> David Backus in there. You need a bit of uh, need another ring in the room. Hey, and hang Even on, d- hang on. Have a ring. I'll, I'll come. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about David Backus later. We'll talk about David Backus later. But fucking hell! And, oh, and I'm gonna ask you such a bad hire. I just don't get it. I just don't. It's Bob Nicholson not learning his lesson at all. I feel so bad for Oilers fans because the the writing's on the wall <laughs> straight away. At least if they brought in like yeah, you know, like a Sean Burke, like a Kelly McCrimmon, like someone who you know, a new GM, not just rehashing it up some other team's old unwanted GM. You could convince yourself, oh, he might do he might do things a bit differently. He might do this a bit differently. And yeah, I'm sure I haven't seen the press conference, but I'm sure Ken Holland has said, "Oh, I've learned from my mistakes or whatever." But mate, like, if you want a GM that's learned from his mistakes, keep Peachy early and not have to pay two GMs. <laughs> oh, hashtag hire Chiarelli. Come on, someone in NHL, do it. You know you want to. I'm I'll surprised he's not it. working for uh, for Philly. <laughs> <laughs> what with the Justice League? Yeah, Over assistant there. GM in Philly, why not? Yeah. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> no, he's, he's, uh, he's not Kelly McCurran, come on. Fair point, fair point. Not only that as well, I don't even know why he took that job. Just just wait, Ken, just wait. Somebody, because you just know, you just know someone else is going to want you. That old boys club there now, especially now that Gretzky didn't get the job as well. 
Dude, the knives are going to be out for him immediately. <laughs> the second Ken Holland walks into a meeting, everyone just slides the knife back under their book and say, I'll save it for later. I'll wait till he walks out the room. Maybe I can stab him in the back then because my mate didn't get the job. Fucking oh, hell. I, d- I don't know, though, because he's, he's Ken Holland, though. He's like the king of the old boys. Yeah, but not that not that group. Dude, that Oilers group is it's like the mafia or something. You can't just walk your way into it. Holland's not a made guy in Edmonton, is he? He's an old boy, but he's not an old boy in Edmonton. That's different. That's a different old boy group. like a member of the Montreal mob walking into New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Fucking hell. And how's he going to navigate uh, that old? Bo- how's he going to navigate that old boys club? How- I, 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 I really think that he'll be all right. I don't think they're going to. I'll ask you the same question I asked you last week about Eisenman in Detroit. How long does Ken Holland have with this fan base to turn this team around? What to turn the Oilers around? Yeah. How how long are those? Now, I've been remiss this week with my Twitter searches of specific teams because I should have gone on the Oilers sort of page when they made the announcement and see what Oilers fans were saying, but I would wager that if you're looking at fans of teams, Oilers fans are probably more of the well-versed and that they're well aware of what's going on, all the major players, all that kind of thing. I'd be very surprised if they were all ecstatic about this news. That's a serious question. How long does he have there? Is it if they miss the playoffs this year? Is it they miss the playoffs next year? At what point did those fans start to say, all right, we need another change? I think it it depends on what Holland does. I think there's no argument to be made that this time next year, if he's made the wrong moves, which he which yeah, he's more than capable of, mm. we could be looking at the Oilers fans already turning on him. Yeah, Do you think at that, that point you... though I think that point though they would then start to turn on Nicholson and Kate more? Yeah, but I think a lot of them more. already have. Yeah, true, it's, true. The the fans aren't the problem, it's it's the media oh, no, no. God, and not, not yeah. the ownership. It's not that yeah, you know, all the fans are saying, Oh yeah, Daryl Cates is the best thing that's ever happened to this club. Like Bobby Nicholson no, I'd, I'd name my firstborn child after him. i I I think we could easily be sitting there next year and already have the knives out for, for Holland from, from his fan base. But then, you know, if he if he takes things slowly, tries to do you know doesn't make any objectively bad moves you know moves that are bad at the time then two years I think I think they it probably gets this season when they're in the playoffs but then if they're not in the playoffs the year after then there's questions to be asked because like like you look at like the Rangers and, and teams like that like the Avalanche to an extent like you can have a quick turnaround the, the Maple Leafs perfect example like Maple Leafs had some terrible contracts David Clarkson for God's sake yeah, but I've yeah, yeah, said before enough. the Oilers. The Oilers is different. That's it, different. It, it, you, it is different, but at the same know? time, it's been done. So like, and and the the Leafs did that without Colin McDavid and Neil Drysdale. All due respect to to Nazem Kadri. Granted, they drafted Austin Matthews, but their rebuild didn't start with you know Lou Lamorello didn't come in with that first overall pick. True. So but then, I, I yeah, think, but then what? <laughs> You can't, you can't trade anyone. Like you can't do any trades. No one wants anybody you've got. I'll be you but like... again. I'll refer you to the Leafs. They traded Dion Phaneuf. They traded uh, David Clarkson. It's doable. It is one hundred percent doable. If that yeah, Clarkson contract got traded, like any contract can get traded. And he said, in, he said in his interview as well, his um, his press conference that he likes to get players staying in the NH in the AHL. He likes them to be completely ready when they come up. 
you've got Evan Bouchard sitting down there. If he's, you know, that Bakersfield team's playing well at the moment, uh, the fans are going to be clamoring to get the because the fans are going to be saying that you know, seeing these guys perform and saying, well, now they're ready. Now they're ready. Get them up now. Get them up now. And Holland's probably going to say, no, they're not ready yet. I don't want them up now. Which I don't blame him. Players need time to kind of sort of grow into their bodies and get stronger so they don't get killed out there by you know some fourth liner looking to make a name for himself or something. I d- if I don't know. Then... That. I don't know because like that whole yo know, marinade until they're overripe was you know it's a it's a philosophy that the Red Wings were built on and it worked for them eleven years ago, but it's it's been proven in recent years that you don't like it's a young man's league now. Have Holland come in and, and say, you know, by default, he's going to leave players in the AHL longer than he should. Like, that's not a good foot to start on for me. That That is, no matter what else he said in that press conference, that is admitting, yeah, I haven't, I haven't changed my ways. That's a good point. That's a good point. You just, I don't know. We said it, we've said it when we, t- when we talked about the others a while ago, but how long is Connor going to take it for if things don't, if things don't turn around? I mean, what's he thinking right now? <sighs> I just, I just don't know to be honest. Like, I just, I, I just keep picturing him, sad Connor, in his knee brace at that putt putt course. That's all I can picture in my head. He's just in the playoffs are going on, and he's just out and about with his mates playing putt putt golf. Like, I'm not fucking watching the playoffs. Fuck trying, to, trying to keep his eyes off uh, his his mind off it. Yeah, exactly. I'd, it's it's hard to really read it. I'm sure he's probably trying to be positive, but he's. I imagine he's not. He's not a stupid guy. He knows that Ken Holland isn't the problem. He's not a solution, but he's not a problem. He knows that the problem still exists, so his his ire isn't going to change because, you know, Bobby Nix, Daryl Cates, Kevin Lowe, etc. Craig McTavish are all still there. Yeah. The the tunnel just got a little bit longer in Edmonton, I think. And they're going to need a new head coach as well. Hitch is gone. I guess it was kind of expected. He was only brought in as a, a kind of stopgap measure, like Philly. And the geezers, it's the geezers be... 120 years old. Yeah, um, it's gonna. I'm gonna be interested to see who they get in. I've not seen any names linked yet. Have you? Have you seen anybody no, kind of rumored or nothing. no? Yeah, me neither. Nothing at I mean, all. I guess who, you're on a, I guess got in... <laughs> Jay Wood, Jay Woodcroft. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they bring him up because they've done really well this year. Yeah, apart from that, I mean, Maybe. I'm I'm unfortunately not Elliot Friedman, so I, I just don't know until he tells me. I I don't know. <laughs> Until he tells me, I can't pass the information on secondhand about the Jay Woodcroft hiring <laughs> rumor. Yeah, I I can't read uh, num- thought number seven until he's uh, until he's printed it out for me. Unfortunately, because you know what this uh, this off season for a lot of different reasons, it's going to be very interesting to see what teams do. Very interesting. Something else I found quite interesting this week was the formation of the three amigos in Philadelphia. Or the the, uh, the Megazord, I think. <laughs> Mecha Godzilla in Philadelphia. <sighs> Elaine Vigneault has his assistants, Mike Yo, and in a startling comeback not seen since Lazarus, Michelle Terrian. Uh, do you know what? He must be. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he's gone off the stigs now, and he's like he's just a big vape guy, and <laughs> he's just. He's gone into the 21st century that way. Well, a, a literally a big vape guy. Like He's come back like bloody Bergevin. He's going to be <laughs> Tom Terrier. He's vaping steroids somehow. He's vaping HGH. Yeah, I'm sure that, that works, doesn't it? As we've said, I'm, I'm, I'm remiss now to, to slate things or to put my neck on the line and say this is a terrible idea because 
Who the hell knows? No one knows anything about hockey. But this is a terrible idea, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt. Undoubtedly. <laughs> oh, hang my hat on that. It's going to go one or two ways. They're either going to get their, the genius part of their coaching brains together and, and create a juggernaut, or they're going to be like the Three Stooges. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for some of the headlines this season because you just know there's going to be people now. Like we said, we've already, we've already had the Three Musketeers, the Three Amigos, the Three Stooges. It's There's, there's so many. Oh, dive. Christ. See what I've just said about Ken Holland and the others. What, what is going on? What is this? I was going to say, just copy and paste what I've said, but swap in you know, every other Holland for either Yo or, or Terrian. I just, I mean, there's what's the point? What is the point? Like, these men have failed at the NHL multiple times. Surely there's somebody... There are other coaches out there. There, there aren't just like 40 hockey coaches in the entire world and you have to just keep picking back from them. There's got to be... I mean, hiring Elaine Vigneault in the first place, probably not the smartest idea, I don't think. But then to to flank him by two less successful NHL coaches. Oh, um, yeah. The Vigneault Vigneault hiring, of course I didn't love it, but I just kind of went, no... All right. Yeah, he was going to come back at some point, wasn't he? Yeah, might, might as well be Philly. Why not? But then, but then this was the one where I went. All right, now hang on a minute. All right, now hang on. What are we doing here now, people? Come on, now, Philly. Now, now I know you're taking the piss. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I know this is just being silly. I mean, this is this is taking their head coaches, so we don't have to go through HR to a whole other level. I've never understood. I've I've just never. Once you've been a head coach, I know it happens, I know it happens, and I know coaches are successful doing it. Once you've been a head coach, I just can't imagine how easy it is for you to sit there and listen to another, and to, to, to go back as an assistant and then listen to a head coach that you disagree with and for you to not say, you're fucking kidding, aren't you? That's no, a stupid it probably, idea. It probably does happen like that, though. And Maybe I'd imagine like, in some ways it's a good thing to have assistants that aren't afraid to challenge you. Because, you know, say, say, I was going to say Johnny Hockey, but Johnny Goudreau as an assistant coach is a very odd odd image to have. But, like, you know, Mr. Mr. Junior Hockey coach coming up, his first gig in the NHL, all, all a bit wide-eyed and stuff, having to, you know, be the assistant to Elaine Vigneault, a man who is, without a doubt, an experienced NHL head coach. I'm sure a lot of people are professional enough to have an objection when they when they think it's valid, but probably not as much as... I can't. I can't imagine Michelle Terrien holding his tongue when he thinks uh, <laughs> the video is doing something, uh, something stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, me neither. I don't know why. I just get this feeling, well, that, uh, that Michelle Terrien's not going to be shying away from making his point known. Vigneault's uh, saying, "Oh, I think we're gonna gonna run with these lines for uh, for the next game," and like Mike Yo just picks up a monitor and throws it at the wall, starts smashing the place up. No, we need Couturier on the top line, you idiot. <laughs> Dear me. Tyrion really angrily puts out one of his Marlboro Blacks and just walks off. <laughs> and immediately bullshit. lights another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I assume that he's already got two others in his mouth at the same time. <laughs> oh, dear me. Tell it's you, gonna be a, for a lot, gonna be a fun for a lot of reasons, there's gonna be a lot of fun teams to watch this off season. I'm Philly's just gone excited. right near the top of my list. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tell you, the Flyers are right near the top of my list at the moment. 
Bloody you hell. know, we were talking about uh, about Starcam last week. <laughs> <laughs> Please give me a bit of Coach Cam for fully games this year. Like, yeah, you, I need Coach Cam for Philly's games. Can you give a monkeys about the game? I just want to watch them three. Oh, let's, why, why don't they get? Why stop there? Get Daryl Sutter in as a fourth. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just keep going. Just anybody. Hitchcock needs a job now. There you go. There's a there's your kit man. Just get just get all the ex head coaches in doing different jobs. Get them all in. Zamboni being driven by bloody Scotty Bowen. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous, dude. This league, this league never ceases to amaze me. Oh, it's yeah. a gift Bloody that hell. keeps on giving. It absolutely is. It absolutely is a gift that keeps on giving. Great stuff. Okie dokie. Unfortunately, well, we have to move on to the playoffs. I'm sorry. Um, I'd, uh, I'd rather not. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yours out of the way first. Blues take it. Four games to three. Patrick Maroon with a double OT winner. After Ben fucking Bishop. Oh, my God. What an absolute atlas of a man. The standing on your head and the standing on your head. Any any junior hockey program anywhere, if any kid ever says what the standing on your head mean, you stop that entire session, you make those kids watch this entire game. Because that was absolutely ridiculous. What was the second period shots? Fifteen to one, sixteen to one or something? A- eighteen to one, I think. Fuck oh, Christ almighty. And he just and I can't believe you nearly stole it. That Jamie Ben wraparound, I can't believe. And if, the, the, because he, the he, wraparound if, as well. Oh, God, yeah. Where it just gets caught on the outside of the post. Oh, my God. If Jamie Ben had done that properly, it's a goal. Because Binnington wasn't... The only reason Binnington got to it is because it came, like, essentially to the middle of the crease when he wrapped that, it that's around. That's the thing. If he'd have turned his top hand over just a, a oh. you know, 10 degrees more, that would have been in. That would have been in. And he had that, oh. that backhand opportunity as well, which yeah, the, the feed from Sagan, and he's he's wide open on the back door. Is you know, it was a it was a saucer pass, so it was a hard one to to get in. I'm not going to fault him for not converting him, converting it. But the point being made in Starsland is both of those chances, the wraparound and that backhand chance. Eighty two games out of eighty two, Jamie Ben's going to bury both of those. Yeah, but yeah. it's just uh, just. The one that the ones that didn't, and it's just unfortunately happened in Game Seven. But I'll tell you what: if I was a Blues fan and they'd have lost that game due to absolute thievery by Ben Bishop, <laughs> mm. I would have set me out on fire. The Stars didn't deserve to win Game Six or Seven, but <laughs> would have been nice if they did. Well, but then I think I know you say that, but I, if, dude, the, the proof's in the pudding. If you win, if you win the best of seven series, you deserve to win that series. You just, you know. Because there'll be things happening in game one, game two, game three that you say, well, we got lucky there, they got lucky there. And I do think over the course of the, the series, these things do even themselves out. But Yeah, but can can you say in in a sport that utilises at the very minimum 19 players, if one of those players just happens to be a goalie that's absolutely on fire, keeping that's you in the game, and the other and the 18 skaters are doing borderline dickle, can you really say you deserve <laughs> to win? <laughs> Oh, maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah, but then maybe if they got through the next series and, you know, then maybe the play start playing and, you know, then they win you a series or something. You don't know, do you? But oh, yeah, I'll bet, yeah the, the Stars haven't had a bad playoff. Didn't have a bad playoff, rather. I'll start using past tense now. Dominant in some games against St. Louis, but 6-7 and seven just didn't turn up. Simple fact. 
Crown with the but stars. Yeah, ben... Look, looking, looking back on your season, how happy, stroke, sad are you? What's what's the general feeling? I'm I'm, I'm quite pleased to be honest. Yeah, it's obviously a massive shame that they didn't get to the conference finals, given that they had you know two two match points, if you will. Yeah, but at the same time, for for much of their play in the season, I didn't envision a playoff berth, let alone game game seven in in the second round. Not and not after some some thoroughly enjoyable games. That's that's a nice thing as well. Like I think the stars started playing nicer hockey towards the end of the season. Started playing better in the in the second round, like more enjoyable games to watch. Sorry, in the playoffs, first and second round. I've got higher hopes for next season than I had in in January, February sort of thing. Especially yeah. if they if they resign Zuccarello, that's gonna be enormous for him. Yeah, they got to. Man, he fits onto that team like immediately. There's no question he immediately fits onto that team. He is everything you want from a rental player. Just come in, just gel. He just gelled immediately, didn't he? And oh, yeah, that, I'd be I'd be moving heaven and earth to sign him. I've never seen anything like it with that first game that he played for the Stars where he played two periods and then got injured. Just from that, because he, he started the game, he was, he was first line out. From the get go, it was just incredible. You could tell, like, oh, this guy's a bloody gamer. It's like when um when Radulov played his first game for the Stars, you could just tell yeah. straight. I, I think they're very they're sort of yin and, yin and yang, but both just very energetic players that you like watching because they look like they like playing hockey. Ah, oh, so much time for Zuccarello. And it is good for players to go. You know, it is play. It is good for players to get into playoffs. Mira Haskins now had a taste of the playoffs. Rupi Hints, fantastic. I know you're a big fan of his. You keep telling me he's going to be a boy next year. He's going to start doing stuff. So it can only help those players, can't it? Yeah, I, I, I think the future's bright. And, and like you say, the uh, the playoffs do help. Really does help. Are you going to be directing any annoyance towards Mr Lindell? Because Ben Bishop took <laughs> a two-handed stick to the back in Game 3, was it? Game 4? Five, I think. Is it five? And yeah, nothing much seemed to happen after that, did it? I mean, no, I, uh, I can't, I can't be annoyed at Lindell. Um, I, I, I kind of feel. I was talking to someone on on Twitter about it today. I kind of feel bad for him, really. Like I know, I know it's brought it upon himself, but the kid has had a monster season and he's been yeah. really good. Yeah, you know, what he's been playing in the playoffs has been absolutely incredible. And I think it's a shame that in in the short term, at least, the narrative around Essendon and for a lot of fans in the long term, I think, is that oh, he's a diver, yeah, oh, he's yeah, he doesn't play the game the right way, sort of thing. Oh, he's just a soft European. When really the kid's been a monster. He's played north of thirty minutes in multiple playoff games. He's been solid at the back. Yeah, he's he's not going to be a flashy sort of D man. Yeah, he's not he's not Miro Heiskanen. He's not John Klingberg, but he's. Like like Nick Jarmerson. He's the Finnish Nick Jarmerson. Just a monster defensively and he's just been really good. And it's it's a shame that this season at least has been tarnished by one act of silliness. I was just gonna say I don't think um Lindell diving put the ref, put the whistles any deeper in the ref's pockets really. Because they were they were cemented. Maybe I say this every year, I don't know. But it feels like this year playoff refs is the most obvious thing ever it's it's been ridiculous yeah I don't, I don't know I don't know if it is any worse than the last year or the year before or you know if we're just 
living in it because it's so fresh. It feels worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, I don't know. It's not good either way, Dan. No, we'll talk about the Blues in a minute when we get onto the conference finals. I have Sharks game seven tonight. Come on, mate! I very didn't see this coming. No, very surprised. And after Martin Jones has defied all expectations and played great, he is going to want that game six OT goal back because it just. I don't know. It just sneaks under his armpit somehow. I don't. I don't know how that goes in. He um, he's <laughs> done the opposite of Cinderella. He started, um, started, <laughs> started the ball as a pumpkin, and he slowly turned back into a good NHL goaltender, which is yeah. an impressive transformation. But how should this one go in then tonight? I mean, I've still got a bet on the Sharks, but it's probably going to be the Ads, isn't it? I fancy the Ads tonight. I really, I, yeah, I really is. do. I really do. Amazed, amazed they took it to it's a game, game seven. A big game seven specifically, <clears throat> not that you know all be- all game sevens aren't big, but it reeks of a uh, of a, a shark's choke, doesn't it? <sighs> That's what I keep thinking. That's what I keep thinking. I was thinking, nah, they can't, can they? It can't happen again. If if there was ever a team to to lose in a game seven where they're the favourites, you'd, you'd bank on the sharks fulfilling that sort of prophecy. Yeah, you're right. I've only watched I've only watched highlights of these games, so my fiery molten takes, I'm afraid, aren't on show at all for the series. But I mean, you, you and me both. I, I don't know much about it, and I don't care much about it. But um, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only so much hockey that a man can keep track of. Like I've said, Dan, I I come alive in the Stanley Cup final when uh when there's only one game to watch, like every two or three days. <laughs> Yeah, plenty of time. I can do a period a day and still be on top of it. <laughs> so true. As we predicted last week, the Hurricanes swept the Islanders. We was, it was 3-0 when we last talked. And why the fuck is Brock Nelson tapping the goalie's head? What is he thinking? Because, I tell you, that's one of those things that you just know. You should just know that that is going to come back and bite you right in the arse. You should know that. As a human... Not even as a hockey player, not even as a sports person, as a human being. Yeah, but you can't go around letting things biting you in the arse, stopping you from doing things that you want to do, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's, crazy that's me. No what, should, what should Brock Nelson do? Not do it? That's insane. Yeah, he, he didn't have a choice, really. Didn't have a choice, didn't have a choice. Being Mr. Intangible, so Dan, you've got to understand the idea of, of being an agitator and getting under people's skin. And what better way to get under an opponent's skin than to to ruffle the uh, the theoretical hair of, of your baby boy goaltender? I suppose I suppose the opposing theory is, is that if he does it and then a comeback kind of happens, everyone would have gone, that head tap started it, that's what it was, you just know it. <laughs> and yeah, I'd be sitting here saying it was genius, he was a genius. He got on their skin in, in a way that nobody could have predicted. There was so yeah, wild exactly. up that they just... But yeah, speaking of having things getting getting under your skin, take the uh, the aftermath of, of Ben Bishop being assaulted and then uh, being scored on like, immediately after... Jamie oh God, ben. yeah. Jamie oh Ben is enraged, absolutely enraged, carrying the puck up the ice, just loses it, forgets how to hold a puck, and then then the Blues score again. Like that is that is like yo know, emotion running wild in hockey and for for negative effects. God, yeah. How do we forget about that? Fucking, that was ridiculous. I mean, I didn't forget about it, but I didn't want to bring it up until. Okay, now. fair enough. I mean, yeah, Hurricanes. The storm surge continues. I think there are, there are definitely 
the two teams with the best stories are for sure. If it's gonna, if it's that's gonna be the cup final, is for sure Carolina versus St. Louis. Carolina's D has been amazing. The D is, I won't say carrying this team, but the defensive work and the two goalies. Because who cares if your starter gets injured? You just bring in the backup, and he'll still win you games. That's totally fine. They've had injuries to Svechnikov, uh, Furland, and uh, Marnalainen. They get Martinuk out there. They get Greg McKegg play, <laughs> playing on the fourth line against the Islanders, and it God, it just you know it seems to work. Talk to Edmonton about we talked about Edmonton before with their goalie situation. Just pick up two or three goalies and just try because fucking Peter Mrazek and Curtis McElhinney, like what? These are two goalies that have got to the East Conference final. And I feel not enough is being made of the fact that they got McElhinney on waivers. Like, it's not like yes. he's a bargain yes. being free agent signing. They literally picked him up on waivers this year. Yeah, because Nobody the Leafs thought that their two backup goalies, when they went on waivers, they thought they were both going to get away. And they both got picked up straight away. Just loopy, isn't it? Absolutely loopy. And now, now McElhinney's guiding them to, to the Eastern Conference final. You couldn't make it up, could you? No, I know. Sebastian Ajo stepping up, becoming becoming the guy. Justin Williams is doing his Justin Williams playoff things that Justin Williams does. It's just madness, really. Just madness. Just, just another day in the office for Justin Williams, really. Quite quite an underwhelming season. Is it all even worth it if they don't do a storm surge with the Prince of Wales trophy when they win? I mean, what we even what's even the point of the storm surge if they don't do yeah. it? Need them to. They've done. They've done like baseball, haven't they? They've done basketball. They've done boxing. Yeah. We yeah. need them to. Um, to like run a route, they're not going to do an NFL route, and yeah, have Curtis McElhaney just absolutely launch it. Get all the players lined up in proper offensive and defensive positions, <laughs> and then run a play with the trophy. Yeah, I think that's the only reasonable kind of storm surge you can do, really, isn't it? Throw it to Justin Williams and then celebrate with it. Yeah, and then spike it, touchdown! Just smash it onto the floor. They can make another one. That's very. That'd be very bunch of jerksy of a very on brand. It would, it would. Fair play to them. They're run with that. It's been great. Yeah, long may it continue all the way to the cup final. Of course, standing in the way of the Carolina Hurricanes is my Boston Bruins. Yeah, the big boring Bruins. Yeah, well, I'm just checking. Do you know when Game 7 is that Tortorella guaranteed? What time What time does that start? When's puck drop for Game 7? Do you know? No, I don't know. No. I think, okay, I think okay. Dan, looking at the... Um, Looking at the schedule here, there, there isn't a Game 7 schedule. I don't know oh, that's an error. Okay, okay yeah, interesting that. <laughs> he has a habit of doing this, doesn't he, and not, and not delivering on it. Ah. Why not? Why not? If I was an NHL head coach, I'd be guaranteeing things left, right and centre. Oh, yeah. Like, game 1, I guarantee you we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> well, you've just been hired as the head coach of the Evans Oilers. What are you doing? <laughs> I guarantee you we will be successful in an offer sheet for Mitch Marner. We're talking playoffs this year. Are you sure, Ken Holland? Are you, are you sure? I guarantee it. All right, then. Okay. We're talking say, playoffs by the time the regular season has started. <laughs> yeah. We will get automatic qualification because of our incredible preseason. Bruins take the series on the Blue Jackets 4-2. It, this series unbelievably became a battle of goalies. Brobowski versus Rask. Tuka Rask. Fucking amazing. Amazing. 9.38 for this postseason already. Jesus. Dude's just in... I don't want to... Oh, God. This is so hard because I'm very well aware of the mush and me saying stupid things that are going to come back and bite me in the arse. But it is very Tim Thomas-like in that 
he genuinely, genuinely is winning games for us without question. Because as you mentioned, the top line is, I think his top lines, like say, stifling each other out or I don't know. I don't know if the top line's being used to work, if they're being told to work a different way at certain points in the game or they just shutting down the other team's top lines. I don't know, but Marcus Johansson's playing well. Charlie Coyle's playing well. It's depth guys getting us through. I mean, the, the Eastern Conference Final is going to be the Dougie Hamilton Revenge Tour. I think that's what I'm going to call oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Just quickly, let's just touch on let's just touch on Columbus. If I give you a time machine, Will, and we go back to the trade deadline, and I say to you, okay, you're going to be Yarmo Kekalainen for the day, trade deadline day. Are you still going to make those moves? Knowing what you know now that you get to the second round, would you still do the same thing? I think um, knowing what I know now, I would do. If you'd have given me the time machine like the day after the trade deadline, I probably wouldn't have made the same moves. But knowing yeah. that it's actually it, it's it's paid off really, you know, you can't you can't say that that getting to you know game six, which is still impressive in the second round after sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning, which feels like it happened a year ago. Yeah, you can't say that's not a success. You cannot say that's not a success for a team that's never been out of the first round. That's that's a that's a good season for them. It's good, and and good on them for making Sergei Bobrovsky a whole lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The kid's going to get nine million a season for seven seasons after this, and it's going to be an awful contract from the moment it's signed. But he's earned it in his playoffs. <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, we. I mentioned at the time we had a, we had a discussion about, it, and I said that at some point you've got to be a team that shows your fans we want to do something, we want to try and go for it, and credit those fans. They were on their feet at the end of Game Six. They were clapping, they were cheering. You know, they love they love that team. You, you need to do that sometimes. You need to give your fans hope. You can't just say at every deadline, "Well, we're not quite sure, so we're not going to bother doing anything." No, it was good. It was good for the game. Not good for. John Tortorella, who was asked about a sense of accomplishment as getting to the second round was the best I've ever done. And he was swearing as usual, and but that's fine because it's Torts and that's what he does. It was the uh, the Columbus power play is, they were three for 21 in the series. Oh, the, with the personnel they've got on that as well, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, I know. I Talk about Bergeron before, the, the top line is that this is why I was wondering if they're being told to do different things because a little stat that I found, but in 263 minutes on the ice playing against Patrice Bergeron, Tavares, Marner, Jenna, Atkinson, Matthews, Duchesne, Panarin combined for four goals between them. That's crazy. So maybe, and because last, obviously last year it was all about the top line. So I don't know if this, if this off season Cassidy's gone to his second, third, fourth line guys, and which I'll come back to David Backus in a second and said to them, you guys have to produce we can't just rely on the top line to do everything. I'm going to send the top line out there to shut their top line down. Maybe that's what he's doing. It doesn't appear that way, but maybe that's been like you know the message to the top line or something. I'm not sure, but the bead uses like a glorified checking line, basically. Yeah, but obviously has the ability to you know win you a game or two now and again. I don't know, but I mean right now it's it's down to Rask. It's absolutely it's absolutely down to Tuka Rask. He's Fucking unbelievable, unbelievable! And I want to give I want to give David Backus some credit because there was times at this season where he was a healthy scratch. He talked about it. He never complained. We mentioned before that he took the route that we didn't really 
think was a good idea, but he just became a guy who would step in to fight people. He was doing that job. And it's it's very interesting, but he came back, he was out of the series against the Leafs, came back in. I wouldn't say he turned it around, but you can see it on his line. There is a noticeable difference on his line. And it happened again in game six. You know, Johansson scored backers for the for the third goal to, to kind of put the game beyond reach and a fair play to him. I think he's not reinvented himself, but he showed a, a great sort of stick to itness, if you Re- will. Reinvigorated to, himself. Yeah, do you know what do you know what the word is? Do you know what the word is? He's been extremely, extremely professional. He's not pouted, he's not whinged, he's not complained. And when he's been asked to go out there and do something, he's gone he's gone and done it. So I think he's been I think he's been a credit to the team. Yeah, this is a thing as much as you know people, ourselves included, were very against backers coming out and saying, oh, I'm basically going to be an enforcer from now on. It's not that, you know, that the intent behind it was good and admirable. You know, he's just trying to do what he sees to be the best for his team. The, yeah. the, the outcry against it was the fact that, A, you shouldn't have to be doing that, and B, B that you shouldn't be doing that full stop. Like, the dangers around it are totally not worth it for, for the potential reward. So there we go. The Bruins move on to the East Conference final. I suppose it's time to make a couple of picks. We should make a couple of predictions, well, yeah. It's man versus man, conference finals time. Let's start in the West. What have you got? So, it's got to be the Blues, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm taking the Blues over either team. Whoever goes through tonight, I'm taking the Blues. I think no matter what, it's going to be be Blues and six. Mm, No, seven. Blues and seven. Shit, that's what I've got. Exactly that. Yeah. It, it makes sense. I think I think the Blues are. They've been playing well this postseason, but they haven't played their best games every game. So they haven't been dominant, as the stars have proven. You know, they there were times where the stars ran ran absolutely rampant over the uh, over the Blues. So you've got to allow that. It's going to likely be a seven game series of the Blues. I think the thing with the Blues is is that they're the most dangerous team in terms of skill and intangible because they're actually the best story left in left in the conference finals now the blues are the team that they're they're the cinderella team they've got the plot armor yeah exactly exactly even that goal last even that double ot goal last night pat maroon takes the hometown discount he then scores a goal in front of his crying son in double ot and then nearly gets kissed by john ham afterwards (laughs) that's fucking ridiculous of course it's a team of destiny of course it is I'll be amazed if they don't come out of the West, just for that reason alone. It's just getting a bit obvious now, a bit like Truman Showy, that yeah, it's all <laughs> fake and all, all rigged. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll start in East then. Because I am terrified of the reverse mush, but I'm not terrified to make this pick. I'm taking the Bruins in six. <laughs> so it's just, it's just an as admirable pick there, Dan. It's a sensible and admirable pick. But um, it will, in fact, be the Canes and Six. Fair enough. Fair enough. At this point, who the hell knows? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you think you think the Bruins' top line should start performing at some point, but then the Hurricanes have only allowed two goals at even strength against the Islanders. I was going to say the Hurricanes are at the moment the team to be uh, to be kickstarting any line. Exactly. It's going to be going to be a lot of smothering by that by that Hurricanes D. I agree. I feel the Blues against the Avs or the Sharks are going to be some very exciting games. You know, so I mean, not high scoring in the sense of sort of seven eight, but I think you could see like a couple of five ones or a five three or something like that. 
I don't see that for the Bruins Hurricanes. I can see this being lots of one nils, two ones, maybe three one with an empty netter or something like that. Yeah, I think it's going to be very. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those hockey purist series that everyone thinks is boring as shit, but I really enjoy. <laughs> but I think I think game game five is going to be a naughty little five nil or something. Yeah, maybe that's, it's, the, that's it's going to be. Um, there's always one that just just always out. one. What happened there? Be honest. Let's be honest. What the Bruins need to do is kill is kill Hamilton the pig. That's what they need to do. They need to steal the pig before the game and just sacrifice it on the ice at TD Garden. Barris the Steiner style. Yeah, exactly. Or just maybe kill a pig and make Hamilton the pig watch or something, like Clockwork yeah. Orange or something like that. Like um, kind of like uh, what Theon Greyjoy did, killing the farm boys. <laughs> kill the pig, exactly. claim it's Hamilton the pig. And then let everyone believe it is Hamilton the pig. Yeah, but at the end you go, see, he's not really dead. It was just a joke. We just we just killed these pigs for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton the pig. Fucking hell. The Bruins need to get a bear. That's what they need to do to scare the pig away. That makes the most sense. <laughs> it's a, go and find it's an a actual logic. bear. Have the bear eat, bear eat the pig. Yeah. Do bears eat pigs? Well, probably not. But like, would a bear eat a pig? Yeah, if you starve it for long enough, Will. A barrel eat a pig. Oh, yeah. Be anything. Probably eat a bit of polystyrene with you. <laughs> just cover it. Just cover it in honey. It'll eat it then. <laughs> oh, mate. A bit of honey roast ham. Go on, mate. Exactly. exactly. Christ, I have to watch out for the players. Bloody hell. Not Chara, obviously, because he's a vegan, but... Oh, I thought you meant like some of the players were a bit portly, so they're not going to eat them. Get a bear. Bruins need to get a real bear, and it'll eat the pig. And it'll kill the, uh, it'll kill the Hurricanes mojo. Did you ever see that documentary about that geezer in Scotland who had a pet bear and like wrestled it? Yeah, there's loads. There's people. There's, there's always ones of people in Russia who rescue bears from those Russian zoos when they're like three months old or something, and mm. the bear then just lives with them. They play with the fucking grizzly bear, which is the size of a house. Terrifying. This this one was quality because the bear gets gets loose on Shetland or something. I think it, I think it was Shetland. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, when it's when it's like fully grown. And they're, they're searching for this bear for like uh, two weeks or something like that. And they find him. And uh, and yeah, he's proper malnourished. Hasn't hasn't even killed a sheep, let alone like, a small child or anything. It's like, oh, that bear. The bear learned. Well, it's because they've been feeding it deep fried Mars bars. That's what it wanted. It couldn't That's get to the chippy, could it? That's the to go to the... <laughs> At, at the at the bloody front of, of Shetland Fish Bar. Like, ah, the bear. So it's like pointing at the battered sausage. <laughs> He's got a Twix. Can you deep fry this for me? It's a bear. Get away. In between his roars, he can just make out crusty. <laughs> Let's finish on the last thing. Game of Thrones. This week's episode. Have you seen it, Will? Oh, I have seen it. I have seen it. I saw it Monday night. Uh, yeah, it. as did I. I thought I I really enjoyed this week. I thought it was fabulous. Much better. Oh, oh much better. Than, this this is my kind of thing. You know, a lot of talking. Yeah, this is what this is what this is what Game of Thrones does perfectly. Just a, just a lot of lore. There were some things that annoyed me about it, but I can't really remember. Um, oh yeah, completely. Okay, so just quickly the oh, just quickly the the coffee cup in shot. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. I, I saw I saw about it, but I didn't keep an eye out for it. Essentially, the still image is when. Tormund is drinking his his horn of his horn drink. He's got wine, and John and him are talking, and like they're all like laughing and slapping hands mm. and stuff. And Daenerys looks at John with that kind of "Oh, they love you, but 
you know, they'll never love me. And there's there's just a Starbucks cup in front of her. It's not zoomed in, but you can see it. Like, if you see the still, you can see it. And the conspiracy theory is it was done on, it was done completely on purpose. Oh, what? Why? Because Starbucks gave HBO a fuck ton of money oh, to do it. Oh, to yeah, make it look yeah. like a mistake, when it wasn't really a mistake. Because if you think, this season has cost tens of millions of dollars to film. How are HBO going to make that money back? All, all by leaving one Starbucks cup in shot. And Starbucks come to you and say, hey, if we love a Starbucks cup here and pretend it's a mistake, and we'll give you 25 million, because let's face it, Starbucks, you know, fucking rich as shit. They got more money than HBO probably. We just leave it in shot or give it $25 million. Do you think HBO are going to say no? Of course not. Is that worth Doesn't $25 anything million? Dollars, though. Maybe it would be to Starbucks. I don't know. Yeah, but like, people, people have heard of Starbucks. But I liked it. I like the idea of that conspiracy, though. I can sign on to that. I can sign on to because that. You got, because you've got to think how many people have seen that shot of that show already and it got through everybody in testing. At no point, nobody went, why is that there? They have testers and script writers and fucking the actors get to watch a private screening before it goes out. They all watch all these edits and all these cuts and at no point nobody went, why is there a coffee cup on the table? There'd be a way to edit over it, surely. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I feel the need to say it. Obviously, spoilers. And I feel the need to she's, say it. Fuck off with your spoilers. She's officially gone mad now, isn't she? Which is good. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, that's it. She is a mad now, queen. Now Miss, An- now Miss Ande is done. She she gonna go crazy. It's it's, it's hard because like as much as I enjoyed Masanda as a character, like it didn't really strike me. I couldn't I couldn't say I. Uh, it's not the death that hit me the hardest this week, Dan. I'll tell you that in all of media. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the one that did? I mean, is it too soon to talk about? I mean, no, because you you haven't watched it, so we'll say yeah. No. Okay. 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 No. There's, there's, I'd just be ranting into the ether, and there's no point in doing that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like the. No. I like the. I like the twist the writers pulled because when Grey Worm and Miss Sande were talking about going to a beach somewhere, everyone went, "Well, Grey Worm's fucking dead." Then, that's what they always do, isn't it? They build up a lovely couple, and then the man gets killed, and the woman's left going, "Oh, it's not fair." But they did it the other way, which was cool, and it was very cool because now we're going to see Grey Worm go fucking off, and that's going to be. Awesome, I think it's especially as like he basically died in series four anyway, or whatever series yeah. it was. When uh, well, the 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 harpies, the the golden harpies, yeah, that's about right. Something like that. Yeah, I I, I expected Grey Worm to die. That said, I did see the spoiler for Masande's death before I watched the film, uh, the episode, which was a bit of a shame. But oh. that doesn't really matter that much. Doesn't really matter that much. Good, good episode. I, I do think that yeah, still, still a bit of filler. Like I didn't really need to see Brienne and Jamie shagging. What is the point? No, I didn't mind that. I think I, I, I no, I, I thought that I had to. I thought that I had to be there. Really? Because he was. He's yeah. I think because he's somebody who finally broke like Brienne's not spirit, but that rough, kind of rugged. I've been fucking picked on my whole life, therefore I can't let anybody in. She lets him in, and then he has to go. So now she has like a bit more vulnerability about her. Yeah, I can I can see that. Something's going to happen between her and Jamie in King's. It has to in King's Landing or something. It, it has maybe to. Maybe she'll kill him. Maybe, maybe I don't know. 
the rumours are floating around that Cersei kills Brienne, so that's why Jamie kills Cersei, or he says she's you know, she saved my life, she stood by me through thick and thin, she did everything for me, and you're just a terrible, terrible person. And then that's why Jamie kills her or something. I don't know, but I didn't mind that being there. I thought I thought that was fine. Yeah, it's fair. I, I just think like that sort of vulnerability could still have been achieved by Jamie just leaving for for Cersei. Oh no, I've I've changed my mind. I have to be with her. Yeah, but the, yeah, but if he'd have just left, they've not had that closeness. They've just looked oh, at yeah, each other a bit funny. Do you know what I mean? They've not. Yeah. Had that, they've now got that bond. Dude, like, he's taken her virginity. <laughs> that fucking means something to her. You know, that's important. Fucking hell, yeah, she's saved. Yeah, her. You can't maybe. Maybe not even saved herself, but she's been a virgin this whole time, and then the guy she trusts to be with the first time just ups and leaves the next day. It's got to uh, got piss Tormund off, isn't it? Maybe Tormund kills Jamie. That'd yes, something. I think that'd be the right thing to do, wouldn't it? Do you know what the worst thing was, don't you? It was John not petting his dog goodbye. Um, oh my god! Like, oh, god. <laughs> I crush me. If I hear another, like, John, just give him a hug. <laughs> if I hear another thing about John Snow not petting ghosts, like. Whatever. Oh, you heartless he's a, motherfucker. He's, he's, a CGI, motherfucker. he's a CGI dog. I give a f- Don't even give me... It. No, fucking off with it. It's a CGI what's the, dog. What's the point of having him in there anymore? He hasn't He hasn't been relevant for like three series. Dude, it's his dog. <laughs> you know people like with their dogs? Yeah, but he, he, hasn't really, he hasn't really been his dog. Though. He hasn't seen his dog properly for time. Yeah, no, but Ned said, didn't he, at the start, this is your dog forever now, he'll be loyal to you forever. He fought the fucking White Walkers, for fuck's sake, he was in the battle, at least go and give him a stroke. Yeah, but it's... Cheers, boys, it's, I'll see you later, mate. It's gratuitous heartstring tugging, like, it's it's cheap, and it doesn't add anything to, like, the plot or anything like that, and people are getting far too worked up about bloody Kit Harrington not petting something that isn't there. Get out of there. You're mad. Although I do now feel that we need a ghost Littlest Hobo spin-off series, which would be pretty cool, where he just kind of wanders around Winterfell and, you know, the Seven Kingdoms solving crimes and helping children who are stuck down wells. That'd be something new. That'd be something fun. Oh, but then we'll just have to keep looking at him with his one ear and just be like, nah. Dude, that's a battle scar. That dog's cool as shit. He's got battle scars. He's a one-eared dog. He's sad. Oh, I'm sad. Uh, A couple of things that annoyed me. Daenerys is flying on two dragons and somehow gets snuck upon by 15 ships that she hasn't seen. <laughs> and That are just where, beneath her somehow. How have they built, you know, nothing <laughs> short of a thousand of these giant crossbows? <laughs> and, and, bolt, and bolts to fire as well. In it. Who's Cersei's fucking guy? You know, the hand who came to talk to Tyrion at the end? What's oh, his uh, fucking name? Kyburn. Uh, yeah. You know, when they made the first one, he was, oh... Your Grace, this has taken 17,000 men, 57 hours to make. <laughs> like two seasons later, lol, we got a thousand. Oh, just mate, got them, swimming in them. You know, got them from can't, Ikea. Can't get rid of them now, mate. Yeah, can't flog them for a lot of no money. Ships should not be able to sneak up on other ships in essentially open water. I feel that's a really bad thing. That's <laughs> Who's running this fucking show? The, the Unsullied aren't a navy, and like they don't have a, a strict navy in Daenerys' <laughs> army. So maybe that's point. it. Maybe. And Euron Greyjoy is like the ultimate pirate. I guess. But then she flies yeah, away right. and I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's going to fly away, circle around and fly behind them and torch them. Nope, just flew away. Have you seen ships turning? It's not quick. You know, and, a ship's turning those, circle is not immediate. And those uh, crossbows can't have a 360 degree sort of range, can they? Well, here's the thing. Even if they do, 
if the dragon's low enough, what are you going to do? Shoot through the sails and hope you hit the dragon? No. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> silly. Just go on the back of it. I don't care how big the dragon is, he's got to be more agile than an arrow going in a straight line. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The only other thing that was I found hilarious was fucking John's talking to Bran and Arya and Sansa, and he says, okay then, I've got to tell you something, but you've got to swear to not tell anybody. Do you swear? And I says, yes, I swear. And he, says, he looks at Sansa, and he says, do you swear? You've got to swear. Don't tell anyone. How can I tell you something? You know, I, I can't promise that. Swear. You've got to swear, Sansa. All right, fine. I swear it. The next day, fucking hell, Tyrion, you're never going to guess what I've heard, mate. Straight <laughs> on it. The next day. It. I've always had like, come on. Stark. I was like, come on, the next day. You must know. And it annoyed me because Sansa's cleverer than people think. That's the thing. Arya said that. Arya said Sansa's not what you think she is. She's seen enough shit that she is smart and she's clever. Yet she's just going to blur out this thing that could ruin the whole allegiance and the whole team of good guys. Come on. Not just to anyone, to like the hand of the queen who John would be (laughs) usurping by being who he is. And it's gone from this deep, dark secret to Varys is talking to Tyrion in like the ship, and he goes, "How many people know?" And Tyrion goes, "I think eight. <laughs> like, how has a secret got out so quickly to like eight people? And, and <laughs> now half the world knows already." There at Dragonstone, chatting openly in the throne room, just like, <laughs> oh, "Should we kill her? <laughs> he probably should be the king." <laughs> just shouting about it freely. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, the acoustics in the throne room must be awesome. That Like, that, them talking must have travelled down corridors. Like, there's some night somewhere just, like, reading a book. And all you can hear is, killer, killer, killer. Like, the hell's that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they talking about? Is that what? Oh, Another Targaryen? Okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I thought it was amazing. Sansa literally the next day. Well, what if there was someone else? I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> you telling him the next day? What the hell? I also liked how well I didn't like it at all. But when when John and Daenerys are in their chambers or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, I, I love you," blah blah blah. Just how obvious it was that, that scene was going to end with, oh, "I hate you. I wish you'd never told me. I wish I hate you forever. I will kill you." <laughs> yeah. So, come oh, on, you guys. can see it straight away. You can see it straight away. The good news is, though, the Hound and Arya are on their way to King's Landing to fuck up some shit. Gonna be, uh, it's gonna be good, really good. We've got, we've got to get Hound versus Mountain, don't we? We have to. Or Clegainbow. I thought, I mean, I think so, but like Gregor, Gregor, yeah, Gregor Clegane or or Robert Strong. Yeah. Like the wheels have spun for four series at this point. Like I'm not particularly invested in in Robert Strong. I don't, I don't see why people are so hyped for the Hound versus the Mountain. It's brother versus brother. It's unstoppable force versus a movable object. I don't know, it's everything. Dude, it's the click game bowl. But it's it's, <laughs> it's one, like it's, it's one... gonna be like Tyson versus Ali. It's gonna be awesome. <sighs> but it's one side character who is very funny. I've got a lot of time for the hand, I think he's a great side character, versus Amazing. someone who was a bit a bit part who now canonically has no personality whatsoever. Like what what's the investment in? All um the mountain is at this point is an extra large thug. Do you know what it is? Is Sometimes I just want to see two hosses fucking go at it and fight. And that's what it is. And these are the two hossest hosses. Yeah. That's, that's all I need sometimes. As a man, basic, going off my basic 
instincts of and my subconscious of me man, me fight. That's sometimes that's all I want to see. But it's not like it's not like the mountains Mary and Trent or anything. I know it's brother versus brother. It's a grudge match as well. It's a blood feud. It's a blood feud. And there's there's nobody on Cersei's side now. Like none of her soldiers are particularly interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, she's barely got. She's got Euron. Whatever. He's probably just gonna sail off. He's just. He's gonna flee the battle. He'll think fire some back off to being a pirate. And then there's the Golden Company who we know nothing about and don't know anything about any of their individual fighters. Uh, and, and she's got the aforementioned Robert Strong, who is a zombie. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I, I don't know. I'm invested. I can't wait. Yeah, buzzing for the next episode. <laughs> essentially, essentially, I hope that the Hound and the Mountain start fighting five seconds in, and we just keep coming back to the fight throughout the episode. And then, like, the last five seconds is one of them wins. That's why I need, like, an hour-long fight. As though it's real time. The, the Hound pops the Mountain's head, a la Oberyn Martell. I can't wait for it to be over, to be honest. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, we're nearly there, mate. Got things to be done. Alrighty, folks. There we go. That's the show. Thank you for listening this week. If you want to get to us on Twitter, you can. I am at DanStraightEdge. Will, you are at... W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. At two bits, one puck. Number two, number one. I'm catching up on sleep now because there's not games every five seconds of every day, which is great. <sighs> Will, any last words? Here's to the impending ending of the things that are taking up a lot of our time at the moment. <laughs> there we go. Here's the sleeping again. See you later, folks. Take care. Peace.